You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Uh, last week we started a new series called Encountered with Jesus. And when we talk about the idea of, of an encounter with Jesus, we're really talking about one of the most, uh, the most foundational aspect of our faith. Because we're talking about the fact that we serve a God who came down to earth, right? And he walked among humanity in the form of his son. And that Jesus literally came to earth and revealed himself to his creation. To the point where he then died, rose again, and conquered death. And because of that, he was able to bridge the gap that God had between humanity. So there was a relationship that was broken that is now healed because of what Jesus did coming to earth. So the first century Christians, the people who actually encountered Jesus, they actually got to see him in the flesh, right? Like there was a man that they were walking with, and sometimes they were kind of curious as to like, who is this guy? He seems pretty cool. He seems pretty important. And what it comes to become is that it is God who came and met with them. So the first century church got to actually have a physical, flesh-like experience with God the Creator. And then for us, the way we have an encounter with Jesus now is that through our faith, through our belief of the testimony of the apostles and the disciples, through what we have heard that actually happened on earth, and faith in believing that it's true, and faith in believing that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, that he conquered death and did exactly what Scripture tells us, that we are able to also join in in that healed relationship with God. That our encounter with Jesus can become a Holy Spirit conviction, where even though we did not necessarily witness Jesus in the flesh on earth, We have a faith and a belief that it did happen. And because of that, what Jesus did back then is still relevant today. And we can have our encounter with Christ and be rectified to God. But not only that, we also get to encounter Jesus because not only can we have a healed relationship with God, but God wants to then use us and dwell in us to not only be healed in ourselves with God, but also to go and share who he is to other people, right? That it's through our lives that we are able to be a representation. Scripture calls it uh, becoming an ambassador for Jesus so that when other people see our lives, they see us transformed and they look at us and they're like, there's something different about that group of people that I've never witnessed before. What on earth could that be? And then we don't cause the encounter, but we get to play a part in other people having an encounter with Jesus. That because of the transformation that we've experienced in our lives, it then allows God to open the door to, to, to allow transformation to happen in other people's lives. And it's not something that we control, but it's something that because of what God's done in our lives, we are allowed to be a part of. And so we have an encounter initially within ourselves, and then we get to join in on God's plan as he goes and has an encounter with the rest of the world. It's kind of like when I was thinking about that idea, and I'm just like, when, when I was thinking about it, I'm mulling over just different examples. And it kind of reminds me of like Chicago Cubs fans. And what I mean by that is, for those of you who don't watch baseball, Chicago Cubs didn't win a World Series for 108 years. And as a kid growing up, not a Chicago Cubs fan, I never saw fans of them anywhere. Like, you you would never see a Chicago Cubs fan, like, anywhere that I was, whether or not I wasn't looking for them or what it may be, but they weren't there. The The only thing I knew about it was that Chicago had a team, so you assume that, you know, their fans are probably in Chicago, and they stayed there. And, like, Rookie of the Year was, like, one of my favorite movies growing up, uh, which is all about just how bad 
the Chicago Cubs are, right? Um, but, but they don't win a World Series in like 108 years. A couple of years ago, they end up breaking that record. They, they win the World Series. And now you can see fandom anywhere. Like just the other week, I, I was driving and I ended up catching myself counting like how many Chicago Cubs uh, like license plates, stickers, things that I, like, I came across because it was literally like three or four in a row. And I'm like, I'm not asking for it. But, but Chicago experienced this concept of like they had this dormant fandom going on in their lives. And then they experience a victory for the first time in a century. And all of a sudden, now it's like we can go ahead and buy stuff because it's like now we want to represent this thing that happened in our life that is really great. And it's a silly analogy, but it's very similar in a more real way what the Christian faith is like. That we had an encounter, that we had a victory in our lives that we didn't realize we needed, but the moment we have it, now we want to wear it like a badge of honor. Now we want it to be an expression of our lives all throughout anyone we come encounter with. That people should be able to see us, and because of the victory that we've had in Jesus, they see something different about our lives. So that's what we're talking about when we mean this encounter with Jesus. And so Pastor David last week talked about the, the story of Zacchaeus, right? And Zacchaeus was a man who was basically doing anything he could to have an encounter with Jesus. He climbs a tree. He's trying to get in view of him. Jesus sees him. And because of Zacchaeus's motivation, Jesus ends up coming to him and having dinner with him. And because of Zacchaeus' motivation, he's able to have an encounter with God, which not only transformed his life, but it transformed the interactions that he had with people from his past and his future. It changed the man's life and everyone that he came in contact with. And as we continue in the series today, um, we're actually talking about a little bit of a different scenario, like almost the complete opposite of who Zacchaeus is like. And if, if you haven't been here um, consistent for the series, I would just encourage you guys, if you can make it out to the rest of these Sundays where we're talking about encounters with Jesus, I would really recommend you doing so. Because whether or not you relate to Zacchaeus, whether or not you relate to the woman that we're going to be talking about today, I think one of the things that we have to realize is that we all have different scenarios, different examples, different stories in Scripture that we can really relate to. And that doesn't mean that we're going to relate to every single one of them. You know, for, for, if you were to ask me, I would say that there's, there's probably like two extremes of personalities that we come in contact with with people, especially people who, who are openly Christian. You know, I think you have people that are at one extreme, when things are going well, it's very easy for them to have an encounter with God. Like when, when they just feel like the blessings in their life are overflowing, when they're in a rhythm, when things are working out according to plan, they're able to just say, you know what, God, thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you for the fact that you are guiding my life, that I just feel that I am living a blessed life. But some of those people, when things get tough, they, they don't also run after God. They might, they might just kind of become more reserved in it. Like the moment stress kicks in or the moment things kind of go kind of bad, they, they end up becoming a little bit controlling. And they're like, I have to take matters into my own hand. I got to figure it out. I got to get my life back on track. And when I feel like everything is right and back in order, then I'll go back to God. Like once I have the problem solved, then I can go to God and I can have a healthy, spirit-filled relationship with him again. That's one extreme. 
Another extreme we might see is people who, who are, when things are going tough, it's very easy for them to identify and lean on God. Like things aren't going well. Like I know I can't do it on my own. I need someone to help me out. Let me run after God because God, I know you say you're in control and I need you now more than ever. And they do that and they see God and maybe they see light at the end of the tunnel or they get out of that tough season. And then once things start going well, they start to realize like, okay, well, I don't really need to lean on something else anymore. Things are going great. Like, God, I thank you for getting me out of this situation, but things are going good. I'm going to go do it on my own. And if I need you again, I'll come back to you. Now, these are two extreme scenarios, but in reality, we all fall somewhere on the spectrum of this. One of these extremes is something that we more naturally lean towards, and we try to kind of balance ourselves out in life. And some of you are very much like, I know very well who it is that I relate to. I know which extreme I can tend to be more if I allow myself to, but some of us don't know. You know, we can, we can ask ourselves the question real simple to figure it out when when you find yourself praying, you know, if you pray on a consistent basis, what, what does your prayer life look like? You know, are you asking God for help, for guidance, for assistance? Are you asking God when you need something? Or are your prayers just full of thanks? Like, God, thank you for this part of my life. Thank you for that financial blessing. Thank you for the healthy report on this doctor's visit. You know, we all fall into one of those extremes. But the thing is, when it comes to an encounter with Jesus, just because our scenarios are different, just because we find ourselves in different seasons in life, doesn't mean that that changes who God is. It doesn't change the fact that God's moving. It doesn't change the fact that God is there waiting for us the moment that we ask him for it. We just have to be open and willing to see how he's moving in different scenarios of life. Amen? So, if you can be here over the next couple of weeks, I, I would ask you and I would encourage you, please do so. Because my hope and my, my goal and what, what I wish for you is that in some point in this series, you might find an example from Scripture where you're like, you know what? I can relate to what that person's going through. I see what that person is dealing with, and I see that happening in my life as well. And if you experience that, then you can kind of pull some tips, some ideas about how you can work through whatever it is you're going through in life or how you can operate your faith in that moment in a way that is honoring to God. And if you don't see yourself in an example, then maybe you can say, well, I'm not in that moment yet, or I haven't been, but I might be. And so when you find yourself coming across that situation, you might be more prepared for how it is that God wants you to operate in that moment. That's my hope. So like I said, last week we talked about the story of Zacchaeus. And this week we're talking about the story of a woman who had no motivation to go after God. She wasn't pursuing Jesus. She wasn't looking for help in the moment. In fact, she was really just going through a time of, of pain and suffering. And really, like when we read her story, she's, she's experiencing loss that we would honestly hope that no one would have to experience. And as we read it, Really, like I said, and if you have your, your Bibles with you today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 7. But I would encourage you that as we're reading, the thing that we want to recognize about this woman is that it's a story about someone going through pain. And maybe we don't always necessarily experience the pain that this woman went through. 
But how many of us can agree that we all go through pain in some way, shape, or form? Yeah. Yeah, I hope that as we see her scenario, she doesn't become our, our, our bar, our standard for what it is that we have to lean on God. Because if there's one thing I know about culture today, and, and honestly just doing some research and, and for me working with students, if there's one thing I know is that there is pain everywhere in culture nowadays. But the scary thing is, is not only is there pain and struggle and really just some internal suffering, but we also live in a time where it's very easy for us to try to hide it from anyone else. It's easy for us to experience the pain, but then not try to get help for it. In fact, I, I had, a, I had a, a class with a professor. He was a counselor. He taught, but he also practiced on his own. And he talked about the pain that students go through. And he talked about when it comes to anxiety, we're seeing um, life-altering experiences with anxiety as early as four years old. Four years old. That a child can, can experience anxiety and pain to the point that it's altering their personality and the way that they behave. Now, if you look at the research, suicide has become, in the last 20 years, the second leading cause of death for people ages 10 to 34 in America. Young people, young adults. Guys, whether or not we want to admit it or not, pain is all around us, and pain is something that we all experience. And if we're not careful and if we don't learn the healthy ways to approach it, it can be devastating and damaging to us. But if there's one thing we can hold on to, it's the fact that Jesus did not intend for us to go through it alone. No matter what it is, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're feeling, there is still an encounter with God to be had. And it's not just a, a spiritual aspect of our lives, but it's also a component of he's also given us areas, outlets, people to walk through it with. We just have to be open to receiving that and being willing to take the initiative on that sometimes. But as we read, um, we come across this woman in Luke chapter 7. And it should be on the screens as I read it out loud, but just follow along with me if you wish. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and he touched the bear um, they were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe, and they praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people, and this news about Jesus spread through Judea and the surrounding countryside. So when we see this woman's life, we don't know anything else about her. The only thing we know about this woman is what we see in this passage right here. And there's two things that we can identify about her. One, her only son has died. And two, she was a widow. So you're talking about in a time where the man was responsible for providing for the family, for being the, the protector, the provider, the supporter of his entire family, this woman had no man in her life. She lost absolutely every aspect about that. So if you have your notes and if you're following along, 
there's some key things that we can see in this woman's life that I think are relatable to all of us today. Number one, for the woman, life had not been fair. Have you ever been in a situation where you think like things are going well, and then the next thing you know, it's like, boom, something happens, and you're like, why did this have to happen? I mean, an easy example of it is like, are you ever at home, and you're going through the mail, and you realize, oh, they sent me my, my traffic ticket because they caught me on camera or something. I mean, like, talk about, depending on what that ticket is, like, it can be something completely unexpected in your life. But we can go through moments where we think things are going right, things are going the right way, and for some reason or another, something happens, and it's like, why does this have to happen to me? Number two, she was in a place of emotional pain, excuse me, emotional pain because she lost what was most valuable to her. Like I said, for this woman... She lost her husband. Now she's lost her only son. But it's not, it's not just the fact that she lost her financial provision. It's not just she lost her protection. Not that she lost her way of life, but she also lost the things that no one wishes to have to lose, and that's her family. That she's dealing with the logistics of how do I operate? What am I supposed to do in this moment? But at the same time, it's like, how do I walk through the fact that everything that was near and dear to me, I don't have anymore? That when I go home at night, when I, when I go to sleep, it's not the way it once was. That there is something in my life that is going different that's just not going to turn out or be the same that it was yesterday. Number three, she was now destitute and had no one to provide for her, so her future was unknown. Have you ever felt that? Like, not only do I have to figure out how am I supposed to get through today? How am I supposed to get through tomorrow? But how do I make sure I'm also paying attention to what about the plans that we had for five years from now? You know, what, how am I supposed to operate in this moment but still figure out what the future has in store? Which one am I supposed to pay attention to? Which one am I supposed to figure out? And number four, the woman was now all alone. And now we say, like, well, the story tells us, like, she had a crowd of people around her. There was plenty of people there at the funeral. But have we ever, have you ever been in a room and you're just like, you're not in the room? Like, like you're, you're physically there, but you've gone through something where it's like stuff is happening that I can't even, I can't even operate in what's going on here and now because I just heard the worst news in my life. Or you get in a fight or something's happening right in a moment and you're like, well, I'm supposed to get out the door and I'm supposed to go act like everything's normal. Listen, we can have people all around us, but it doesn't change the fact that we might still feel like the loneliest person in the world. Especially today, especially with with social media, the way that we interact with people. And I'm not saying those things are bad, but loneliness is something that we can all feel at some point or another, regardless of how how many people we got around us. And so, yes, we see this woman who has gone through tragedy, but even in the midst of her going through tragedy, I think there's an aspect of her life that we can all relate to. And honestly, there's tragedies in all of our lives that we've experienced. You know, you might might see this woman's life and you might be like, that is me right now. And it's hard and it's a struggle. And yet, It's in this woman's struggle that we see the encounter with Jesus happen. And we see Jesus operate in a way that we have to be looking for. That allows us to know that there's going to be hope 
even in the midst of turmoil, even in the midst of struggle, even though it's hard now, there is still a God that is active in our lives. So what are the things that we see Jesus do? How does Jesus operate in this moment that we can be on the search for? Number one, Jesus sees the pain of the woman, and he's the one who initiates the conversation. This woman isn't Zacchaeus. She isn't motivated to find God in this moment. She's at her son's funeral. She's in a moment where, where the last thing she's probably doing is looking for God in this, in this turmoil. And yet God is right there for her. Listen, whether or not we realize that even in the midst of our pain, even if we find ourselves in a tough spot where we don't want to go towards God or we're mad at God or we don't want to even see how God could possibly move, be moving in this situation, it doesn't change the fact that he's there. It doesn't change the fact that he is in our midst, that he is present with us, that he wants us to lean on him, that he's willing to be there for us. Guys, in the midst of our loneliest times, the thing that we can hold on to is that God is still there for us. Number two, uh, and this is a little bit funny, but number two, Jesus responds in a way that doesn't make sense. Have you ever been with your spouse and they're really upset and you just, you, you make a response and immediately you're like, I know what I said was not the right thing to say at that time. Right? Come on. Like, like, I don't like, I can think of a hundred scenarios that I would talk to Natalie and I know of all those scenarios saying don't cry is probably not the right answer to give her. And yet Jesus answers and Jesus responds in a way that we don't expect. Why? Because Jesus is operating with anticipation of knowing what it is that's about to happen. You know, so, so often it's easy for, we were just having a conversation about this morning. We, we look at scripture and we see scripture and we're like, well, why wasn't this person faithful here? Why didn't this person do this here? Because we see the big picture. But then we think of our lives and we think about the things that we're going through. And it's so easy to forget that there's something more to happen beyond what it is that we're living through right now. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen in this lifetime. It doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. But the way Jesus responds, he does it because he knows what he's capable of doing and he knows what he is going to do. For the woman in that moment to hear this guy just say, don't cry, probably didn't make sense. And it probably wasn't the thing she wanted to hear. And yet we get to see the big picture. Guys, if you ever feel yourself going through something, we have to remember that the battle we're in right now is not the war, right? Like, like the scene that we're in is just the middle of the movie. It's the middle of what God has in store for us. And we don't know what it'll look like, but there's a hope and a consistency in God that we can hold on to. Number three, Jesus confronts death and brings forth life. You see, there's such an insignificant thing that Jesus does here that I think we, we can read through it and we don't even realize it. But Jesus stops what's going on in the funeral and he actually touches the coffin that the kid's in. And when we realize what Jesus is doing, this, the thing that he does is probably one of the biggest violations that a Jewish person could do when it comes to Jewish law. 
Because if there's one thing that everyone knew you shouldn't do, it's like don't touch a dead body. Don't touch something that is, that is corrupt because the moment you touch it, then you are also corrupt and you have a whole process you have to go through. And if you don't go through it, then you have dishonored God and you're cut off from all of your people. And yet in the midst of knowing what is religiously the right thing to do, Jesus stops and he does the thing that is counter to what people expect. And gosh, it just makes me think like in today's day when we see so many people struggling and hurting and in need of some kind of hope, are we willing to be people that are willing to go out of what's considered the correct thing to do? out of what's considered to be the right thing to do in our eyes? And are we willing to meet people where they are at in order to let them know there is something more for you? There is a love and compassion that they're not willing to, or they're not experiencing yet. Are we willing to break our rules and our boundaries for the sake of reaching people where they're at? And so for you, or for any of us, are we willing to see how God might be operating in the ways that we don't expect happening? Because that's how Jesus is willing to confront us. It's the fact why the, while we were still sinners, right? That's when Christ came for us. And finally, in the midst of all of this, what we realize is Jesus restores hope as he gives the boy back to his mother. And I won't, I won't go to the scripture and, and band if you're here, you can start making your way up, but I want to finish with this idea that when the disciples saw what Jesus was doing in this moment, there was something that they were very aware of happening. Because if you look, and if you have your notes, you can go to 1 Kings chapter 17. And what you see happening is you see the prophet Elijah. And you see Elijah dealing with a woman just like Jesus was. A woman who had just lost her son, who was asking God, why did this happen to me? And the prophet goes to the boy and ask God, God, please give this woman back her son. And the boy comes to life and Elijah brings the boy back to his mother. And so when the disciples see Jesus doing this, it's not just a moment that they're seeing happening right in front of their face, but they're remembering this is the same God that we saw at work in the Old Testament. This is the same God that we saw in the history of our ancestors. That the God that was faithful hundreds of years ago, is still faithful for them in this moment. And friends, if there's one thing that we can hold on to in the hope of Jesus, it's that the same God that was active in Scripture is the God that is still active today. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.